This is Rugged Matrix America. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Gaw from Golf Rugby Report, joined by Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, who are just about to jump right into or right in the middle, really, of their uh, the start of their coaching seasons at Iona for Bruce and Lindenwood Belleville for Pat. And uh, we've we're here on Rugged Matrix America, brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. Uh, Probably going to be we're going to be talking about the Olympics and the aftermath for uh, for that. But um, first, Pat, I wanted to ask you a question: Are you running into a lot of people uh, getting the name of your college wrong? Oh, all the time. Yeah, because I, I mean, it's like <laughs> Bellevue. Bellevue. People want to call it Bellevue. I don't know why Bellevue. It's it's Belleville, but we actually had a bus driver drive to Bellevue, Missouri, instead of. Belleville, Illinois, to pick us up, and we were like late to a game for it. Uh, that's not good. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I think Iona is uh, easy enough to spell, but who knows? People are probably going to get that wrong. Um, we know what they do get wrong at Iona, though, Bruce, which is they mishear you every time you uh, sell, say the word ruck on the field. Yes, they don't realize that there's 190 rucks a game, and they, they, they. I don't think that they understand that the R and the F. I think they just hear the uck and think that I'm saying something else, which you would never say. No, they're students. Right, exactly. That's what I understand. Uh, we're going to talk about the Olympics, and. Uh, obviously, rugby within the Olympics, and a lot of people were very excited about the fact that rugby was in the Olympics, and uh, and of course, you know, I was too. I think we people talked about it, talked about it in terms of the meaning for the game worldwide, but I think especially in the United States, um, and I think that in the end, a lot of people were very very happy to see that Fiji won because it was the first medal of any kind for Fiji and for them to get it in their national sport and get a gold. I think a lot of people, and, and, and in the manner that they won it, because they were really fun to watch, I think all of that was really good. Um, well, well, I wanted to see what you guys had to say about kind of a, I don't know if I'm being a buzzkill here, but I didn't get that rugby exploded onto the screen on NBC. I know it was there. We watched it, but I don't know if um, it really lit a fire under uh, NBC in general. If you were watching the the coverage where they sort of rehash what's going on during the day and they show replays of stuff and they show a lot of swimming, uh, we didn't really see anything talking too much about rugby. A little bit, but not much. And and let more about. You know, maybe an interview with a couple of the women's players, but not so much, say, uh, you know, a, a, a vignette of how exciting and thrilling it is to watch. Um, and at the stadium, I kind of felt like, you know, it, it wasn't the carnival atmosphere we see at, in Las Vegas or we see in Hong Kong or even we saw on the beach with the beach volleyball. It wasn't quite the same. It seemed like rugby fans went there um, and they were pretty excited. And and a couple of celebrities, I guess, showed up too, which was nice. Um, ben Ryan from Fiji claimed he got a text from Buzz Aldrin. I don't know what that's all about. But... Uh, 
I, I didn't see the place full. And I didn't see the place full of just people who had excited to go to the Olympics. Um, I don't know if you guys got that or if I'm being just a buzzkill about it. Well, I think, you, I mean, you're not wrong in a, on a lot of those points. Um, about, you know, the stadium, you know, Jake Fury, who many might know is the, the storming uh, monster in the midfield for Middlebury, played for Northeast Academy, played at Trinity for a little bit. He um, he went and wrote a little kind of fan experience uh, story for Rugby Today, and he, he, you know, he basically broke it down from where most people stayed, which was like Copacabana and one other area in Rio. It was about a two-and-a-half-hour commute each way. Um to where rugby was being played um, just because of the way you had to do it. You had to go through public, you had to use uh, public transportation, um, so on and so forth. So it was kind of a pain in the butt to get out to the area where it was being played along with the other sports that were in that area. Um, and it, according to him, at least, you know, attendance was pretty poor across the board um, at a lot of those events. Now, obviously, your marquee events, they look pretty full on TV. The swimming, the the, um, uh, the gymnastics, those sorts of things, they look pretty full. But I don't know that it was a rugby-specific thing for the reason that the the attendance was, was fairly weak. Um and, I, I would uh, just you know, to jump in. I would, I would go along with. Uh, I would go along with that. That the uh, the attendance was poor, and mo- yeah. on most of on most events, and and I would say beach volleyball was probably one of the best attended. Uh, yeah, and I mean Brazil's a. I mean a good volleyball uh, yeah. place, right? I mean, uh, especially Rio. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, I think rugby actually did pretty well as far as attendance went. I thought they did pretty good in terms of television coverage. I mean, while the Eagles were still in contention, men and women, every game was on national television. Now, granted, it wasn't on a network, but I don't think a network matters so much anymore. Um, who watches non? You know, who just sits there with rabbit ears and watches their only their network channels these days? I guess that's a pretty low, uh, pretty low, uh, you know, fan base there. But uh, look, I I would say it was actually pretty good. I didn't know, and I'd say we probably all were in the same boat. Maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't know how many of the games would be on actual television. And when I saw how many would be, I was actually pleasantly surprised. So no, I mean we didn't. Rugby didn't take over the Olympics, but well, you know, uh, I, I I was pleasantly surprised too. But I, I guess I, I wanted to see a little bit more uh, on that prime time show that they're doing uh, because there are people, you know, I, I'm I'm lucky, right? I, I I'm I'm able to watch as much as I want. Uh, sitting here in Golf Rugby Report uh, World Headquarters, a lot of people, it's pretty, you know, that they, they go home, they work all day and they go home and they say, all right, what happened in the Olympics? Um, they yeah. they, they yeah, moved, no, I, they I moved the rugby saying. around to different channels, which I think is a good thing because they mixed it up. So you you'll be watching water polo and suddenly, hey, a rugby game comes up. Oh, what the hell? I'll watch that too. Um, that's that's good. I just don't know if it was the um, the the great sea change maker that a lot of people were saying it was going to be. Well, I'll tell you what, I kind of said the same thing about the All Blacks game in 2014. Um, I was probably really uh, overly pessimistic about that game and what it would mean for American rugby, but I think some of the things that you're seeing, like the premiership being, uh, you know, playing a game in New York and and, um, now going to be on NBC Sports Network and, you know, more serious talk about 
uh, the Pro 12 maybe wanting to come here or Toulon's announcement that they're going to do something in Miami or those sorts of things, like money coming into the game. Um, you know, even Dean Barrett, the new, the new board member, I am sure he was some of those things enticed him, you know, seeing Soldier Field sold out. Obviously, it, it uh, led to pro rugby's existence for the first year, so people being paid to play rugby in the United States. I, I think that those are something that happens like that has more long-term effects. So I don't know that we'll know in, in two or three or four until two or three or four years time from now if it really did have the big sea change effect that you're talking about. Bruce, do you see it? Do you see people excited about uh, the uh, rugby being on the Olympics? Or I mean, you you're so immersed in rugby world. I don't know if you if you get anything from a non-rugby person to say anything about it. I, uh, I'm actually a member of a lodge and believe it or not, uh, fraternal order of drinking. Um, and one of the guys that was there was watching the Olympics and he was like rugby seven. He had no idea that I was played rugby. I'm very new there and I don't know a lot of people. And, um, he, uh, he said that rugby sevens was the best game in the Olympics and he was really loved it and he never played it. Da, 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 da. And he was just going on and on about it. So, I, I mean, I didn't think that the spectacle was that great. And I, I did. I thought that the stadium, and it was only it was pretty small. I don't think it was filled for the women's games, but I thought it was filled for the men's games. For the most part of those, I, I thought they had around 15,000. It was pretty close anyway. Well, they, and, have, uh, they have those multicolored seats, so they can sort of cover up the fact it's empty to the like It looked to me <laughs> like the crowd was pretty decent. Yeah. And and I didn't I didn't think the spectacle was great. I thought that teams played tense. It was almost kind of reminded me of the 2007 World Cup, where you know a couple of disappointing performances, not a whole lot happened, and and you know and but the great thing that came out of it was Fiji won a gold medal. They won it in style. They really performed great when they needed to. The thing they did at the end with the picture with all the teams, they just showed the true camaraderie of rugby and how awesome the game is and how awesome the spirit of the game is. And I think that, and I'm going to get into a little bit later how I don't think our coach had any of the spirit of the game at all. And uh, But I thought that the Fijians were brilliant and I thought that some of the other teams were really brilliant. And you know, taking nothing away from any of the players, but some of the way that our coach behaved was uh, uh, less than desirable to me. Anyway. Right. Uh, on the women's side, uh, I think it's fair to say that the the USA women over well, I don't know, overperformed, but but were were pretty good. Um, they actually uh, the things I, I I wrote about regarding them. Uh, I, I don't think that they were prepared well, and I don't think that they the preparation with all the changing coaches helped them. But the players themselves did everything they could, um, and they held every single team to two tries or fewer. They held New Zealand to one try and lost 5 nothing. They tied the eventual gold medalists 12-12. Uh, to 12. Um, uh, they, Defensively, they were really, really great. Um, and I think they were unlucky to lose to New Zealand. But um, offensively, it didn't seem like there was much of a plan at all. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, look, how many times 
first off, I don't understand why Jessica Javelin didn't start every freaking game. I mean, uh, she's she's a difference maker, um, and uh, she should have probably the entire time. I mean, not that we want to dice up every you know selection or decision like that, but um, I, I, they played better than I thought they were going to, all things considered. Um, and it just it seems a bit like a lost opportunity because they have some pretty good players on that team, and they didn't quite play as well as they could have. But, you know, the spectacle for the men's tournament, I mean, look, I thought Japan going to the semifinals was awesome. I thought Team GB making it to the final was pretty cool. So, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I could see the, your point, Bruce, of people playing a little tense, but I thought it was uh, it was fun to watch. I mean, to, to see Japan get to a semifinal and you watch them get trounced on the World Series, I thought that was pretty fun. I agree with you. That was good. Japan played great. You know, the you know, it also shows how it can change so much. I mean, I was talking to James Rodwell um, in Vancouver. You know, we're just doing sort of a post-game discussion there. And um, England was terrible in Vancouver, just god-awful. And just talking to him about how, how you know, what are you doing? And he sort of says, well, I don't know. I mean, we've got some guys hurt and things like that. We think we can be better. But, yeah, we're playing we're playing terribly. He said, and I'm playing terribly. Um, to be able to turn it around and and win a silver medal is pretty phenomenal for that group. That team, they came together late, but they, they're they the only ones who really played any rugby, or much rugby to speak of, from the end of the World Series through to the Olympics. So they actually came in, you know, they played that little series in Europe, and, and they played some rugby together. Um and plus, it's, you know, when you get late in the season, everybody's thinking about the Olympics. And you're playing for England, who's not even in the Olympics, uh, you know, specifically. I could see how you could lose motivation. Yeah. Now, having it on the Olympics is good. Uh, obviously, it, it's it's fair to say that uh, thousands, tens of thousands of people who'd never really watched a rugby game probably watched one on TV because it was, it was an Olympic game. And uh, the idea is, of course, we want that to create fans so they'll look around and uh <clears throat> excuse me so they'll look around and, and maybe go to a tournament or pay some money to go see a rugby event we're looking for players we're looking for young people to look at that and say hey that's pretty exciting mom dad uh i'd like to play that is there a way i can play that uh and and we're looking for that uh, that carlin isles story you know carlin isles watching rugby on youtube and saying yeah i think i could do that i'd like to try um and it's kind of a weird message, but it's essentially saying we'd like we'd like people to watch the USA play and say I could do better than that and come out and try and play. Um, and I, I don't know if we'll see. We'll we'll have a look to see, as you said, Pat, whether we're going to get any uh, benefit from that over time. I think the shortest term one we'll see is possibly what kind of athletes uh, try to make that team for the for you know for the World Cup and everything after that. Um, but the USA team. So, Bruce, you mentioned some stuff. Um, I think it's I think it's fair to say that they didn't perform well. I think it's fair to say that uh, you know we talked about selections in our last show. Selections were weird. Selections were weird. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no. No question about the way Friday acted prior to the Olympics and after the Olympics was 
completely, I mean, I thought, off base at best. I mean, and I'm just going to go through a bunch of things that you guys know. And before the Olympics, he said in an article, we're certainly in very, very good conditions, in very, very good condition. But it's the gain in tactics and skills which have improved the medal chances the greatest. And it was completely insane. He, he took players who hadn't hadn't played, so they couldn't have had their tactics sorted out. And the skills and tactics were what let them down, brutally let them down. They went with a trick play up by two with 30 seconds to go, and it backfired on them. That doesn't happen when a team has their tactics right. And the skills, I mean, getting annihilated in the breakdown was, that's what happened. Um, Also, we've undertaken some training with field hockey hockey Olympians in an academy in Florida, so now we're more self-aware. You don't start mental training a week before the Olympics. That takes years. It's years and years of practice. To be self-aware from what's insane, again, another shtick, not nonsense thing. And then he also said, we've worked with some of the Navy SEAL boys on what's important. You're going to call the Navy SEALs the Navy SEAL boys? Like, get a grip, bro. Come on. <laughs> you know, getting a week, a week of training before the Olympics and calling them the Navy SEAL boys. Come on, man. Get out of here. Then he said... If we can get awareness and buy-in that this is a sport played across the country in schools and colleges, and we've awakened the sweeping giant. Okay? I've heard this drivel for decades. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. The sleeping giant. He's not awakening anything. He's, he's in and out of here. Then before the Olympics, he goes and takes a dig at Great Britain's team. And he said, the lack of marquee names in the Great Britain men, men's squad represents a huge missed opportunity, according to Mike Friday. Great Britain are paying the price for not getting their house in order two years ago, meaning they didn't hire Mike Friday. Uh, Then he said, that's the harsh reality. What is a fallacy is the idea that you can't move between games. You've seen us in New Zealand doing it. Well, that showed great in Rio. You know, I mean, look, the bottom line is New Zealand underperformed, America underperformed, and Friday's previous legacy, Kenya, underperformed. And Armar, who was the coach of England, uh, he insisted that he was not casting jealous glances, and he disputes the idea that more 15s players should have been brought into the fold. We don't look enviously at anyone. We look at ourselves. It's a special group. And the way the game's changed since the inclusion in the Olympics, it's a different game, which I've said 50 times on this show. Can I, can I just jump in on, on that comment, which was on the, in the Daily Telegraph uh, uh, online, Daniel Schofield wrote that article uh, where Friday is quoted as, uh, um, you know, as, as ripping the, the selections for the Great Britain team. I don't understand – and I realize I – gr- I grew up in England, so I know that journalism in England is different from journalism in the United States, but I don't understand why – you go before the Olympics and act as a prognosticator when you're a coach in, of one of the teams in the Olympics. I don't understand why you make that comment. I totally agree with you, and that's what I'm saying. This is this is what I'm saying. This is what our national coach did prior to the Olympics. 
And then, you know, the, the England coach said, you just have to look at how challenging it is for 15-a-side games, for 15-a-side players from other countries. Quay Cooper, Brian Havana, Liam Messam, who actually wound up on the team due to injury. But they, they didn't make the rate the transition, and they didn't make it well. And that's fine. I'm just – and they stuck to their guns. And Friday shot off his mouth. And then after the Olympics, this was the worst – Fiji, who was brilliant, won their medal. They, you know, they did everything that you could possibly want a rugby team to do to be class. Then Mike Friday said, uh, after the Olympics, the plan as national coach Mike Friday outlines it was to get attention, fuel interest, and grow the sport. No, it's not. Was G for grow or gold on your podcast? It was G, G is for gold, yeah. It wasn't for grow, right? As long as I'm, I, I didn't mishear that. Uh, he talks about taking part in, you know, partnering with the NFL to teach safer tackle technique. Like, I'm getting, I'm almost getting tired of this. It's almost laughable. First, they got to make their tackles. NFL teams aren't going to pay a little Brit to teach them how to miss tackles. It's not going to happen. And take a look at the best tacklers in there. They don't tackle with their head. There's a video of Lawrence Taylor making a hundred run tackles. None of them using his head. Look at Howie Long's clips. None of them using his head. They, that's complete nonsense. And all these guys sitting there. And if you want to learn how to tackle, you talk to the rugby league guys. They're the guys who actually break it down way, 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 way better than anyone else. And then, you know, he talks about getting pros and, you know, from basketball and cast-offs and funneling them through. Again, is it about genetics or is it about coaching and preparation? And then he said... You know, they were talking about Ben Ryan's saying that USA's got way more funding than us, which is true. And and then Friday says that, you know, they're, the, the players the players in Fiji don't have no money. They have crazy jobs like sugarcane farmers, hotel porters, policemen. Ben Ryan didn't get paid for the first five months he was there. The, the, uh, and then he goes... The Fijian coach has the biggest talent pool in the world, bar nobody. Is it genetics? Not work. It was all genetics, not work or overcoming difficulties. The reality is they don't need a lot of coaching in Fiji because they coach themselves. Completely insulting statement to say that this was a genetic thing. It's a joke that he was even acting like this. They don't need a lot of managing. That's the easiest job in the world, if you ask me. You don't need any money. It, again, it's genetics. So what the hell? Do, well, you don't need him then. If it, if if you just if if they don't want to go, no, no it's, it's, it's that's not true. This is uh, this is was in the San Diego Union Tribune where right. where uh, you know Friday talked about this and to you know um, you know fa- fair enough you know he says players gave everything they had and and, and I don't think anybody is faulting the players no for their, questioning their, the players. no no one's questioning the players no one's questioning the um, the the effort level. I'll question the players. I'm gonna let you question the players, but I'm gonna question the coach and you question the players. Um but they that's where he that's where he said it. And I just sort of sort of had, they had a young, they had a very young manager and instead of preparing for things what they did is he went and coached fifteens. And before they they flew from San Diego to Florida, San Diego to Texas, that they're flying all over the place with a bunch of big guys, 
Cardio Olympics, it causes dehydration. It's not a great thing for sports performance. And I just think that, you know, really, when it comes down to it, it's insulting for a national coach to talk about a team, especially after having an abysmal failure in the Olympics, to talk about a team who won the gold medal and who works their butts off and is very successful, like Fiji, and just acting like, oh, yeah, it's natural. That's complete nonsense. It's complete nonsense that it's purely natural. And, you know, I, I just – then he almost parroted exactly what I said he was going to say after this, after this got butchered. Um, we need investment in our game. We need money, not Fiji. Fiji doesn't need money. That's laughable. He set up, you know, in that article, they don't need money, but he does. So we're able to attract and create more rugby athletes. Said Friday, whose contract expires this year, but it's talked about an extension through 2020. I mean, the same guys who fired Tolkien have to fire Friday. And then let's hope the American people grasp that it's introduced into the school and, and suddenly rugby will evolve and erupt and with all the... <laughs> He's parroting exactly, exactly what I said he would say. We were doing it to grow the game. We got these guys, the NFL guy and the speedster and the premiership guy and didn't work out, invest more money, buy me. Fiji was classy. They represented the game well. The photo at the end was awesome. You know, they had a brilliant buildup. And to suggest that it's as easy as blowing up balls is absurd. They couldn't afford buses. They couldn't afford gas for buses. They had a typhoon six months ago. They certainly don't have the most stable government in the world. They've had players who weren't even allowed to travel because of the coup. Um, and that's the way it goes. Like, it, just say, great job. Well done. He threw digs before, said G was for gold when it's for grow. Gold, maybe it's just in his pocket. Bottom line is, I don't think he's good. And I think that when you're talking about mental training, a week before, they didn't prepare for Argentina. They didn't. They they had every opportunity to win because the teams that they played weren't playing well those days. They got every single call that they could possibly hope to get. I mean, the call count was seventy-five, twenty-five, or eighty-five, twenty, or eighty to twenty on in our favor every fifty-fifty. So there was nothing that was done and. When Chris Brown was, you know, essentially coaching a team and he'd rock up on a Thursday and go to the tournament or whatever, they were doing great. As soon as he rocks up for the whole time, you know, the wheels came off. And I think that he panicked, and I think he's not good enough to coach, and I think they need to get someone else, and that's it. And that's the way I feel about it. And it is sevens and fifteens are different games. And as Bill Parcells said, you are who your record says you are. And your record in the Olympics, which was the big show, said bye-bye. That's what I say. Go ahead, Pat, refute me. Well, yeah, what, what, what we well, had was... Uh, because, uh, go ahead. If you're going to say that that lands us at ninth in the world, name any coach in the history of American Sevens who's ever finished ninth in the world, ever. Pat, they had, all, exist. Pat, they had all the money and all the resources to do it. Everybody all the money. <laughs> Guys making 25 Gs, you're losing people like Blaine Scully for, what, I don't know, less than 
Anybody on this podcast probably pulls in a year. You're losing Brett Thompson for a large chunk of the run-up. For less than anyone on this podcast probably makes a year. You're losing – don't tell me they had all the money. People are making 20 Gs, 25 Gs, 30 Gs. They're not, they don't have all the money. That's a joke. What they they need money more than Fiji does because Fiji can still get the best players that it wants without money because they don't have other options. But I got a question. The United States has a smaller player pool by far that's worthwhile, and a large part of that player pool has the option to go play overseas. Fiji can afford to lose its players overseas and be mined by New Zealand and Australia and still continue to be good enough. The United uh-huh. States can't. I, I get it that that you know that the, the eight hundred thousand Fijians are definitely genetically superior to the three hundred and twenty five million Americans. There's no question about that. Well, you if you want to if you want to break it down, look at how many look at how many people of Samoan heritage are in the NFL compared to any other uh, any other place or any any other demographic. Again, it's staggering totally- per capita how many are in compared to others. There's also a lot of Fijians that don't live in Phoenix. But they're not Fijians; they're Samoans, and they're and when we had we had opportunities. Same concept, different sport. Look, what, what all? What, what, out of all your criticism, the the parts that I'll listen to the most are they were flying all over the place. You're right; they didn't have to go to Florida and then back to California and then back to Texas. You're right; Friday didn't have to coach 15s. I think that was a misstep, and that's a mistake. That's a criticism that I would 100 percent hear. If you're going to sit here and say that, um, that he made some mistakes along the way. That's fair game. Go for it. But real but to, big, real to say that, like, paint the and look to say that he's a pompous ass. Ben Ryan's a pompous ass. Did you see his his speech that he gave in Fiji talking about the warm up right before the final? Basically, just thumbing his nose at Great Britain just the way Friday did because they both used to coach him about how much better his warm up was than Great Britain and talking about how Great Britain was stiff this and and stiff that. They do the same thing. Anybody who achieves at that level. Is going to have an amount of air, you know, of arrogance well, Pat, that's, that's this higher is, than the rest of everyone else. But Pat, that that was my point. My point wasn't the selections or anything. My point was that he's talking about mental training a week before the Olympics. It's absurd. He said that they were in condition when they weren't. He said that their skills and tactics were were on and they weren't. And and then after before he's throwing barbs at Great Britain for no reason. You know why? Why? Why awaken the tiger? And then, but why does Ben Ryan need to do it? The guy that you're putting on a pedestal. I, I'm, I didn't put Ben Ryan on a pedestal. I said the Fijians behaved well at the tournament and represented the camaraderie that we all know and love about rugby. I didn't say Ben Ryan did. I said the Fijians did. And I'm not. I'm not making a big deal about the coach. I'm making a big deal about the way our coach behaved like a spoiled bitch. That's how he behaved. And for that, he should be gone. And that's it. Look, I don't, I don't think – look, I'm willing to sacrifice you thinking he's a spoiled bitch for him winning more than any coach in the history of American Sevens has ever won. I'm willing to sacrifice that. All right? I'm an American sports fan. <laughs> yeah, Just like a lot of American sports fans, I root for guys who aren't always good guys. I'm okay with that. Hey, I'm, All right, especially, especially cool. if it means winning. But the thing is, this they didn't win. Like it's one thing to be a jerk and win. He's a jerk, and they lost. And he no was one played after Fiji. they lost. No one played Fiji tougher in that tournament than the United States. No one did. And said they got all the calls. 
Did you watch the Argentina game? If, if, if Argentina's second try was a quote-unquote try, then I scored a try in the Olympics. First of all, the the calls, I think, you know, I, I didn't go through them, but there were a couple of really crucial ones uh, that went against the United States, one of them being a try by Argentina, one of them being the uh, Fiji's last try and how they won that ball. Um, the, the, the deal with... The, the the other fine margins that happened because there were a lot of close games was the fact that they made crucial errors crucial errors that they shouldn't have been making um, and I think that that's where it comes down to putting together your team and we we've seen enough World Cups enough Sevens World Cups to know that uh, it's not just about talent it's not just about getting a certain athlete I mean we 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 saw that. Uh, Perry Baker, who was a, was on the uh, the World Series Circuit All Star team, who was one of the top try scorers uh, in the world, get com- completely taken out. He wasn't a factor um, because there's tactics involved and there's teamwork involved. And I think where where Mike Friday made an error, we've talked about it with previous World Cups, is that he didn't stick with his guys for a long period and honed them as a unit. He brought in three guys. Uh, I thought Nate Ebner did a lot of good things, but he—he's not—he's he, not your best option in terms of distributing the ball at center. And Chris Wilds and Andrew Duratarlo hardly played, and there was no point in having them there if they hardly played. Um, he changed the entire dan- dynamic of his team. The good Mike Friday. <laughs> is the guy who won a tournament in London and had his team finish top six in the world in the World Series. Um, his teams have made the top eight, the, the quarter, cup quarterfinals, more than any USA uh, team has in the same period. Uh, I, I probably combined, if you add the number of times they've made the, the quarterfinals non-Mike Friday, uh, it's probably not as many as they have with Mike Friday in just over those two years. Uh, so many good things, top three uh, finishes, top four finishes, winning a tournament. These are all uh, like unprecedented things. So, so you know, just, just, I'll just say, I say the one, but you, you take that, all of that stuff, good, good, good. Mike, why did you change it? Why did you change it all? Why did you leave players behind when you had done all of that? I can tell you one thing that he did that was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Chris Brown. Chris Brown is the legacy that Mike Friday gave us. But Chris Brown is more valuable than Mike Friday, in my opinion. And that, I'm not saying that he should be the coach or the head coach or whatever, but I'm saying that he should be in consideration for something. And that's the legacy that he left. And I think that, you know, that there has to be a new, there has to be a change. I don't know what the change should be, but I don't think that our national team coach should be a guy who's chucking barbs at other places and who's saying after the fact that we need investment and, blaming this or that and the other. Hey, dude, it was your team. You picked it. Accept responsibility for it, as everybody in the past has done, and just deal with it. And 
that's I just think that you have to conduct yourself with a certain level of you got to conduct yourself with a certain level of dignity and respect for others when especially when you're competing with them and if you're going to throw barbs then hey baby you better win if Muhammad Ali got his ass kicked by Joe Frazier three times and got his ass kicked by George Foreman and got his ass kicked by Sonny Liston and got his ass kicked by everybody who fought him, Ernie Shavers and all those other guys, then you know what? Nobody would care who the hell he is. He would just be a loudmouth kid from Louisville. But he backed it up. So if you're going to yip, you got to back it up. The smart ones well, don't yip. Chuck Noll didn't yip. He... At the end of the day, okay, Mike Friday did more with his team, took them to a higher level than anybody else did in that entire tournament. Yet Fiji came in as a favorite. Fiji has won World Cups before. Fiji's won World Series before Ben Ryan came there, and they did it again after. Okay, what what, what he did it what Ben Ryan did with Fiji is what Nick Saban did with Alabama. They'd won national championships with coaches before. They'll win national championships with coaches with after him. That's what Ben Ryan did with Fiji. What Mike Friday has done with the United States is take a team that doesn't belong in a BCS championship and put them in that conversation. Now, did they win it? No, they didn't. But that's something that he's done. All right? It's not like he – yeah, he coached a big boy before in England, and they, they achieved when he was there. But what he's done is taken two teams who aren't supposed to compete with uh, Fiji, with England, with South Africa, with all those teams, and he's made them compete. And he made them compete at a really high level. And at the end of the day, it's one tournament, and we all know anybody who pays attention to sevens or has coached sevens or has been in sevens tournaments or manages sevens teams or really invested themselves in sevens, that you can be the best player, best team in the tournament and not win it. They weren't the best team in the tournament. The best team did actually win this tournament, but that happens all the time, not just in in, in, in rugby, but in other sports as well, but even more so in sevens. It's one sevens tournament. That's why it's a World Series, a series of tournaments, and not just a one-off championship every year to decide who's the best. We, we, you know, we, we, in, we didn't win. In the previous show, we talked about one, how, uh, you know, you listen to a bunch of teams, not even talking about the USA, but but uh, you know Fiji and South Africa and Australia and New Zealand and Great Britain, and two of those teams weren't going to win a medal. Uh, which of course happened, and I and I think that New Zealand. You know, you look at uh, you look at the press coverage, and and they talk about what went wrong, what happened. This this was this is their sport. Australia, um, they struggled. We, what I said in the last show was that there was uh, a little bit of um, there was a margin for error in the way this uh, this tournament was was put together. In that you could go one and two, but if you had a good points difference, you would still make it to the quarterfinals. As it turned out, I was wrong because there was a there was one of the pools. You had three teams go two and one. That was South Africa, the pool B: South Africa, France, Australia. What that meant was that now you had, you know, you you, you had to pretty much go two and one to make sure. And in the end, the USA missed out on a quarterfinal spot by a point. Uh, a conversion that they could have gotten, and that San Diego Tribune Union Tribune uh, article where Mike Friday was quoted spent an awful lot of time on uh, Madison Hughes missing a conversion, which I think was a little unfair. Um, w- two close losses, and the other problem is that in the end, then the USA uh, only gets judged on 
you know, the other games they play, which is against Brazil, right? Um, and against Spain. And, and so it's like, it, it, it's the world's biggest, you know, shrug. You're like, okay, they won, they won that, uh, that playoff so that they could finish, uh, you know, they, they finished uh, ninth. You know, at least they built Brazil, beat Brazil twice and they, they beat Spain. But that doesn't tell you anything. And I guess that's the disappointing part for me is we didn't see them come through and beat somebody in this tournament, in this showcase. You know, even if it's luck, we didn't see it. I think the disappointing thing was that they actually had those games. Those games shouldn't have been played. This is the Olympics. You've done the medals out of They don't have, like, the ninth place in wrestling. They don't have the ninth place in boxing. Nobody cares. Um you're out, you're out. I think that when you're out, you're out. And that's and I and I thought that was a farce. They have uh that in other sports. They have them in like volleyball and uh and I you know, I I saw one in hockey back in 2002. So, um and if they do happen, uh, you don't you don't have to like it. Hey, look, I, I it, at the end of the day, you know, we can say that the Sevens is a World Series. We can say it, it was stupid to have sevens in the Olympics anyway. Uh, have 15s. You can play three or four games in 16 days mm-hmm. if you want to. You play three, get your best eight teams. One of them would be the British Lions, essentially, and then get your best eight teams and play each other, quarterfinal, semifinal, final. be awesome. It would be unbelievable. Instead, they, uh, you know, they played sevens. That's what they chose to do. That's fine. All right. So now you had sevens, and that's what's going to happen. Sevens is like nine ball and pool. Anybody can win, which I get. But I, I just think that our preparation and our lead-up could have been better, and our leader could have probably handled himself better and and had his players do what they were supposed to do in critical situations more appropriately. That's it. You know, hey, has he had success? He certainly has had success. But they've also had a professional setup for several years. And you could say they're not making a lot of money, but they're making more money than anybody else. Sure, the Fijians would like to be making 25000 American dollars to do a job and train at the Olympic Training Center as opposed to running dunes in Fiji and running out of gas and buses. Yeah, and being, you know, being prisoners you know, in like, Fiji, I don't think that's a picnic. You know, uh, you know, uh, specific, specific, specific moments, um, I, you know, I think it comes down to one major error, uh, and that was the short kickoff against uh, Argentina. They're winning the game. The game is almost over. They probably most likely should have kicked deep and pinned Argentina in and make Argentina go 90 meters to score. Uh, instead, uh, Falaniua doesn't, he hooks it. It doesn't go 10 meters. It's a free kick midfield, kind of a crucial thing. And I've done a lot of, uh, uh, play by play stuff, webcasting stuff on sevens tournaments, uh, on the college level and on the club level. And I see a lot of restart errors. Restart errors are killers. And I end up lecturing people a lot about restart errors. If, you sort of, if you're restarting a, a game, that means you scored. That means you just scored and you've got momentum. So if you then screw up your restart, you kick it out in the full or it doesn't go 10, you, you just – not only do you give the other team a free kick at the 50, you lose that momentum that you had. 
Uh, so, you know, it's a crucial thing. And, and your national team, you don't expect that to happen. Um, and, Bruce, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you think that that, that way. I mean, was was that what you were talking about when you were talking about the, the, the trick play? That's the trick play. So they were trying to – they were trying to – because he kicks he kicks off left-footed and so he kicked off right-footed to freak him out. <laughs> I don't know what the hey, – look. Yeah. They're just standing on the sideline. And they've obviously had to have prepared thoroughly for Argentina. The whole tournament relied on the Argentina game. They were going to beat Brazil. Right, yeah. Right? They were going to beat them. They, you know, if they were going to concede, you know, that they were going to lose to Fiji, then, okay, then everything rides on Argentina. Prepare for them and understand what are we going to do in this situation. That could have been done for five months. They knew who they were playing, you know, however many months it was. They knew who they were playing. So the whole, you know, rocking up and, you know, hanging out with some field hockey people and, Doing mental training a week before the Olympics, like maybe had they been doing what they were supposed to do, then they wouldn't have had a situation where that call was made. Because I don't think he invented it. Yeah. Yeah. That call was made, and the criticized medicine news. I mean, the guy made every goddamn kick of the tournament. The guy was amazing. I don't. I don't think he played well. I think he got steamrolled right early in the tournament, and I think it. I think it hurt him. I think. I think, I think yeah. he. I think it definitely. He was hurt. We, we didn't. We didn't. Yeah, he certainly could. Yeah, we didn't see him uh, take charge in the same way. He did kind of have to do that one weird thing where he kicked out of the twenty-two against Fiji, I think, and tried to get a, you know, hit after the kick call. I mean, it was obviously a flop, and he was lucky not to get a penalty for it. Um, so, you know, I I, I kind of think I, I think in the call. end, uh, you know, we we don't want to be. You know, this is a, a a thing we I run into all the time, is that we talk about the World Cup and it is a dream come true to play in the 15s and 7s World, especially the 15s World Cup, because um, uh, you know how hard it is to get on that squad. Um, it's a dream come true for those players to to talk about it and then say, well, you know, they kind of sucked. Or, you know, they were disappointing. It's very, very difficult to say that for the players because the players put a lot into getting there. And I think being an Olympian is a big deal. But I think you need to earn it. And I think you need to earn it by your performances. And and we need to look at it the way we look at so many other uh, performances in the Olympics. If, if Katie Ledecky goes out and fades in the last 15 meters of her uh, of her swimming and doesn't get any uh, medals, then we talk about that because that is what, 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 what went wrong. Uh, if Simone Biles uh, screws up her vault, falls off the balance beam, we're like, what, what, what are you doing wrong? You had, this was the pinnacle. This is where you're supposed to be prepared, Right. And we and we've seen that kind of thing happen uh, with U.S. favorites at other times, and everybody remembers in the Winter Olympics, Dan Jansen, the world champion, world record holder, speed skater. It took him three Olympics to win a medal because he kept falling over. And it's like, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you that you keep doing this? 
Uh, and I think it's fair to say to the U.S. Olympic Sevens team, I think the women players did as well as they could, and I think they weren't prepared well. And I think the offensive game plan was poor. And I think the men's players, uh, some of the players did some weird things. And the team makeup was weird. I mean, just flat strange. The fact of the matter is, you know, again, the players get selected. They work their butts off and they get selected. And that has nothing to do with them. They don't have a choice in that. So they do it. They put themselves. They're in the arena. They played. I'm not criticizing the players at all. That was who was chosen to be there. So they get no criticism. It's the coaching and the preparation deserves the criticism. And it's not just Mike Friday. I think Mike Friday handled himself about as bad as he could have. And... I wish he didn't handle himself that way, but he did. He chose to do that. Not you, not me, not the players. He chose to do that. Those were his choices, and you live and die by your choices. Now, I think in hindsight, he would do it differently. And if he wouldn't, then, you know, then whatever. (laughs) Then then he's crazy. But, so... That's just the way it goes, and you don't, you, you shouldn't act like that. You, and you know, you know, Bruce. And, I mean, I, I, I deal and with he, this myself. No, it's fine. I deal, I deal with this stuff course. myself. You know, it's like I look at myself as a journalist, and I'm supposed to be uh, a, a, a disinterested third party in the sense. You know, I'm not going to post on social media for the most. Every now and then, I slip something in there, but you know, I'm not, I'm not going to trash talk about rugby on my Twitter feed and I'm not I I know that I'm a journalist so I'm not then going to snap into fan mode about uh, different topics Um, and even uh, that spreads out into other sports I tend not to really sit there and you know if if I'm watching the Seattle Mariners playing the Yankees I'm not going to tweet out snotty comments about the Yankees even though I'm not somebody who writes about baseball, I just don't think it's appropriate. Somebody else can do it. I don't care. I mean, you know, that's that's part of being a fan. But I'm no longer a fan. I'm a, I'm a journalist. Now, now a coach, a coach of a national team, doing that. You know, you forgive it if it's sort of like a snap little thing on social media. But these were interviews, and he kind of trash talked Great Britain. Because almost as if you know, he let that rivalry that he has with, with Simon Amor and Ben Ryan sort of spill out. I, I, and you, can't do, you just can't do that. You can't do that if you're the coach. Well, it's, it was a, it's a matter of... It's a matter of just he chose to do it, and it's fine. I mean, you can do it. I mean, if you want to do it, it's not, coaches have done it. In general, in general, in general, it backfires. Yeah. I'm not saying that it always backfires. I'm trying to think of a time when it didn't, but in general, it backfires. Like, I, Steve Hansen doesn't say anything about anyone. 
and Wayne Smith doesn't say anything about anyone. And Graham Henry has said stuff, but not prior, yep. and not for a long time after. And when he lost, he kept his mouth shut. And in, in when I'm talking when he was with the Lions, and it was a long time after before he really said anything about Wayne Barnes. But, and I just would say that the greatest don't say anything. And, you know, I, I don't think Vince Lombardi was out there, you know, saying things about other coaches. I don't think Tom Landry did it. I don't think Don Shula did it. I don't think Chuck Noll did it. I don't think Bill Walsh did it. I don't think Bill Parcells did it. And I don't think Bill Belichick does it. And I just... It's, it's hard to imagine. Think that possibly... Right? For them to say, oh, I, can't, I can't believe they're oh, starting that guy oh, wide out. I can't believe it. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, why would they say that? Nobody would say No, you just look like Pat, Pat Riley, yeah. John Wooden, Red Auerbach. And they just didn't do it. And I, I mean, I, I mentioned some decent coaches. They may not be in Mike Friday's class, but, you know, pretty good. And, and I just don't think that we need, I don't think that we need a, an arrogant Brit representing us. And, I, and yeah. that's the way I feel about it. And, and well, that's it. And, and, and hey, look, he took it upon himself to have a shot true. at me too. That's, you know, my response, yeah. good luck. Cause I felt that good luck. Yeah. Good luck to the players, not to you. Good luck to the players, and good luck to Chris Brown, and uh, you know. But I don't feel, you know, he he's tried to be a media darling, and and then laughably talking about, you know, being going and consulting with the NFL. I, I again, I know I said this earlier, but some of these rugby coaches yeah. get off your high horse. Think that these guys don't know how to tackle and they don't break down every effing skill, like you know all like, they just play this game. They, rugby coaches would pay anything to get into these camps. The only people call me and ask me, get me to meet the Giants or this guy or these people or that people, the Detroit Red Wings or whoever. The, everybody wants access to things because. It is elite. It's billions and billions of dollars. It's elite. To think that Joe Bag at Donuts rugby coach is going to teach them how to tackle, please. You know, well, okay, okay, f- fair it's enough. But but this, the other well, the, the other thing is, it's already happening on a lower level. And what, why is this suddenly a new thing? That's that's not what the national sevens team is supposed to be doing. I you know I don't I don't I don't know just it's it's, it's apropos of nothing it's it's apropos no, I, I don't, I don't like I, why why are we talking about that now? Well, like I understand like trying to give yourself credibility doing stuff with the NFL and stuff like that, which is totally. I mean, and if they're gonna, if certainly if they're gonna hire you and and you know hopefully the Giants aren't foolish enough to do that and they would ask me prior, but um. Look, if you're going to hire a tackling coach or a contact coach, you hire a rugby league guy. And, you know, that's the fact. 
And because in rugby union, guess who they hire to coach defense? League guys. That's what they do. And when they deal with their tackle and contact area, and the rugby league guys, talk to MMA and wrestling guys. And that's like, and then now union is doing that a bit more. There's more skills in union that, you know, so with, with the scrums and the rucks and all that kind of, and, and some of the kickoff things and stuff like that that, don't, that aren't present in rugby league. So they have more time to spend on tackling. They also make a lot more tackles. And it's just like, but I just, it's laughable that we sit and act like that we know more about tackling than a linebacker coach in the NFL. It's like, what? Are you on crack? I mean, seriously. You get get a bunch of NFL linebackers on, have have a tackling practice. See how you do. Give a little five meter tracking tracking channel and let let the little white boys run through. Okay, good luck with that. Um, And then have them stop the other guys, have them stop Marshawn Lynch. You know, who just went down to a rugby league practice. Anyway. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's, we're happy that the Olympics happened. Uh, you know, happy for Fiji. Uh, I, I think that uh, um, every four years it's going to be a dogfight. Um, and, and it's going to continue to be a dogfight to get into the Olympics. Um, because the, uh, the Olympics, the way they format it, it's going to make it uh, difficult. Um, but... But you know what? You got you you got to have a plan for it. And you know what? The other thing, and we'll talk about it later. You, right around the corner is the Sevens World Cup uh, in the Bay Area. USA national team, men and women, and USA rugby have to get their ducks in a row really fast uh, in order to get ready for that. Uh, with that in mind, uh, that's going to do it for us. For Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, this is Alex Goff reminding you to check out RuggaMatrix.com and RuggaMatrix shows on iTunes and also at Goff Rugby Report. This is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy, where they're producing n- tomorrow's national team players and developing skill. And as always, thanks for listening to RuggaMatrix America. That was good. It was a good fight in the middle. That's I liked it. <laughs>